Are you from the state of Michigan? Or have you heard of the state of Michigan? Here at Michigan and Other Mayhem, two non-professional researchers will intrigue you with interesting stories about Michigan, murder mysteries, odd facts, and other mayhem from around the world. Two sisters-in-law will keep you... Sisters-in-law? Yeah, anyway. We'll keep you guessing about what our next subject will be as we discuss true crime, paranormal, historical, and scientific topics. Our weekly podcast will keep you entertained and possibly titillated. Hello? Hello. I don't know where the other one went. I I know. But hello, Jen. Hello. (laughs) You want me to cue fake podcast music? Da, 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 da. Dun, dun. I can't believe you remembered. I know. That's not exactly my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on with you? Nothing. My friend just dropped off homemade blueberry coffee cake. I almost canceled this recording because, I mean, I had two it? pieces, but yeah. I'm thinking I could eat the rest. This is just giving you a chance for the first part to start to digest before you eat the second part. Right. Because I plan on doing nothing after this is over, but eat coffee cake until it's gone. God, I would too. I bet it is just perfect. I mean, homemade blueberry coffee cake. Yeah. What have you been up to? Nothing. Literally uh, a lot of staying home. A lot of staying home and when, you know, I shot for my dad because he's bedridden. And so your brother and I have started to just go out at the same time. And one of us has a cart that's for our house and one of us has a cart for that's for his house. And then we just get all the groceries. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because you don't want to go out a second time to go get your groceries. You know, once you're already at the grocery store getting groceries i one time tried to fit it all in one cart and let's just say that was a fail to the point where i had to call somebody from one of those little emergency phones and let them know that i dropped a creamer and that it spilled all over the place yeah that's great yeah i was just lucky i was it literally broke right by the phone so phew at least i didn't have to like leave a giant puddle of creamer somewhere right while i ran and looked for a phone yeah so literally, highlight of my week is the grocery shopping. Mine's blueberry coffee cake. Yeah. And the well, fact I... that I'm still in my pajamas and currently just sitting in bed with the heater on. Ooh, yeah, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is, do you know I like, like old martial arts films? Yeah. Um, so... Your brother, okay, so there's a couple of apps that you can watch uh, on your TV that you can stream TV through. And one is Pluto, which I think I've been telling you about that. I watch a lot of forensic files on that one. Well, another one is like Tubi or Tubby, T-U-B-I. And it has so many like old martial arts movies that, you know, your brother, I'm just lucky that he doesn't mind me watching, you know, like six in a row or whatever. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but so today my... Um, my article is going to be about the Shaw brothers who literally produced a thousand martial arts films. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And my, mine takes us out of Muskegon. Even wow. though, you know, Muskegon's my favorite. I know and that is your place. Yeah. It takes us to Berkeley, Michigan for the murder oh. of Michael Smith. 
Michael Smith. I'm going to let you go first, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can do that. I can do that. Mine does have some murder, but it's just a fictional character's. Although I am working on this article that does um, Upper Peninsula murders from like the 1800s. I didn't realize that the land of 1800 Upper Peninsula murder murders were just so fertile. Let me just tell you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. we never guessed. Well, what happened was I did an ebook from the library. And I was like, all right, let's just see what they have to say. And they're like, murder, murder, murder. <laughs> <laughs> Old tiny great. murder. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I got All right. Back. All right, so I'm going to talk about the Shaw Brothers, and I got the info from Wikipedia, the ShawBrothersUniverse.com, and IMDb. All right, so the Shaw Brothers are—they're from Shanghai, China, and I might—I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm saying their names right, so forgive me. Their names are Runyi, Runmi, Rundi, and Run Run. I guess they were named purposefully that naming convention by their dad. Okay, their names all sound similar. So the oldest brothers first created a movie studio in 1925. And by 1958, they were known, like everybody already knew about the Shaw brothers. And in the 1960s, they had the largest privately owned studio in the world. Wow. I know, dude. That's when they produced about, at that time, about a thousand fucking movies. I was like, wow. So they are still in operation and they've been in operation continuously now for 80 years. So one of their most popular movies is The Five Deadly Venoms. Have I ever talked to you about that movie? No. It is my fa- one of my favorite, although I do like my Bruce Lee. But it is um, a movie that your brother bought me one time when I was in the hospital. And at one point, a doctor had come in the room but didn't pull the curtain back, but was like in the room behind our curtain. And I said, you can come in, you know. And she said, oh, I was just trying to figure out what movie you were listening to. And I was like, The, uh, the Five Deadly Venoms? And she was like, oh, so the six main characters in the movie the five deadly venoms became known as the venom mob and they starred in other successful shaw brother movies and the five deadly venoms is one of my all-time favorites and i'm also going to talk about another shaw movie that has the venom mob in it but it it has like a questionable title and actually it's two questionable titles so i was like i'll just save it for when we get there so i don't have to keep saying the name of the title over and over okay Okay, so The Five Deadly Venoms came out in August of 1978. Imagine this, okay? The martial arts master of the Poison Clan is dying. And he's worried that his powerful fighting skills that he taught his first five pupils is going to be used for evil. And they're powerful, so he's like, nobody's going to be able to stop them. So he teaches a sixth student all five of the fighting techniques, and he tells them the weakness of each student's fighting style, all right? Okay. And so number six is referred to as hybrid venom because he knows a little bit of everybody's fighting style, but he's not the master that they are. Right. I just want to make sure we know who that guy is. All right. So the poison master warns this dude, Yoon, right? He goes, Hey, Yoon, you might be in danger. Um, One of my five students might be coming after you because they might want some of the money that you got by using the clan skills to assassinate people. And so then the poison clay master tells hybrid venom, venom number six, student number six, about his first five students. So here's why the five students are such a mystery. You never see their faces. They're always in a mask. They never say their names. They only go by their fighting style. They don't share information. And that's it. Like, so you never know who they are. You just know that they're out there, but you just don't know who they are. Okay. And, 
And the five pupils are centipede, snake, scorpion, lizard, and toad. All right. Toad. Which is, yeah. And if you are um, a Power Rangers watcher, nope. those are going to mean something to you. Oh, was Brandon <laughs> a Power Rangers kid? Um, I think he did watch Power Rangers a bit. Okay. Okay. So those are the five students and none of the, okay. And, and then I put a couple of the students know each other. So you find out that this is like, seriously, the first time I watched it, I'm writing all this down. So you find out that centipede and snake know who each other is and lizard and toad know each other, but nobody knows who scorpion is. And like the guys that know each other don't know who the other three are. Right. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of confusing. No, nope, I, I gotcha. literally wrote it down the first time. Okay. So, in order to stop the bad students, the Poison Master says, Poison Clay Master says, hey, Hybrid Venom, you need to find one of my students that's a good guy and then team up against the bad ones, you, you know, with a good guy because you only know part of everybody's skill even though you know everybody's skill. This is the only thing I can do to think to stop my um, teachings from being used from evil. And Hybrid Venom's like, all right, dude, I'm on it. So, sure enough, that dude, Yoon, that he was like, hey, you might want to watch out. I think one of my students might come and get you. He was murdered. And when he wouldn't tell where the money is, his whole family was slaughtered by somebody from the Poison Clan. Wow. So, yeah. And the person that killed that guy's family figured out who the Toad was. Figured out which guy was Toad. And knowing what his weakness was, kills Toad. And guess what else? What? I can't tell you. Because the rest is fucking awesome. It literally has murder. And I don't mean like somebody got kung fu to death. I mean, he was straight murdered by another person. There's intrigue. There's betrayal. There's this long <laughs> and awesome kung fu fight at the end, right? You find out who the centipede is, who the snake is, who the scorpion is, who the lizard is, who's bad, who's good, who won't... You know, oh, people stabbing people in the back, literally. And then they all go melee on each other. And then, unlike... A lot of the martial arts films that I watch, this one actually has a happy ending. The two good guys win, <laughs> and everything's wrapped up nicely in the end. They take the money that the bad guy had stolen and give it to, like, an orphanage. Oh. Yeah. yeah, well, recently, your brother and I watched this movie. We're like, the good guy died, his woman died, and the bad guy died. But I'm like, e everybody's dead. They're just all just like, they're dead. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Okay, now here's the movie that has the questionable title, which I know some people get sensitive about. And I also, unfortunately, used the R word a couple of times on accident. Do you know what word that is? No. Retarded. Oh. I'm not supposed to say that anymore. And I say that, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I'm, I'm just an old person. But here's another one that people don't like. The movie sometimes is called The Crippled Avengers. Okay. Okay. It was also known as Mortal Kombat. See why that might be a problem? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and they sometimes call it the Return of the Five Deadly Venoms, although it has nothing to do with the Venom movie at all. Okay. So it's very, it's very confusing. So this movie came out in 1978, but it wasn't released in the U.S. till 1981. My sister Cassie was one years old. So that means you were not born yet, were you? No. <laughs> you said 1981. <laughs> yeah. That's when I was born. That is the year you were born. Okay. Well, it's because you were born in the middle of the year and your brother's born at the end of the year. And it just confuses me. With the years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So both these two movies share the four of the main actors and the plots. Okay. It's a little something like this. There's this bad that guy's name is, I, I'm going to say it wrong, but two twin. 
And he comes home and he finds his wife murdered. And his son had both his arms cut off below the elbow. And he constructs these iron arms for his son and he trains him in the tiger style of kung fu. <laughs> this guy's a master, right? But they're actually a bunch of assholes. These aren't really two bad guys, okay? They're dickheads, all right? And they just are brutal and horrible to the people in the village that they rule over, right? Mm -hmm. So this dude, this blacksmith, talks back to Chu. And he and so Chu makes him drink this poison, which I don't know how this happens, but it took away his ability to speak, right? It made him mute. And then the blacksmith still is, like, giving him dirty looks and still trying to fight him. So Chu deafens him with a double ear clap, which I used to threaten my daughter with when she was little. We just, like, slap <laughs> her hands on both sides of their head. I'm like, I used to be like, I will double ear clap you. I swear to God, bitch, I will make you deaf. <laughs> but she knew I was playing. But then Chu's son, okay, then Chu's son, who's also a dickhead, the kid with the iron arms, who's now a man with an iron arms, he blinded this traveling hawker, like a traveling salesman, and then <laughs> had another dude's legs cut off below the knee because he bumped into his son. Jesus. Some guy into him. Yeah. So I'm telling you, these guys are real dicks, right? So this young kung fu master comes trotting around, sees these three guys, one dude that's deaf and mute, another guy who's blind, another dude who's missing his legs below the knee. And he decides, like, that's it. I'm going to have to, like, for your honor, fight for you. Um he got his ass whipped <laughs> because, and then they decide to, so the bad guys actually whoop the good guy's ass. And then they decide to, in order to punish him, like crush his skull in this like device. And the guy lives, but he's um, unable to communicate. And he always acts like a little kid, like he's senseless almost. So together the four men travel and they find this Kung Fu master willing to train them. And each of the four fighters trained to enhance the remaining senses and strengthen their perceived weaknesses. So iron legs are made for the dude with the double amputee. Mm -hmm. He learns to walk and he fights with his new prosthetics. Now he's badass, right? First he has to learn how to get the strength to move his iron legs. And then he's like fucking chopping down trees with his kicks, right? So the blacksmith, he's deaf and he's mute. And he learns sign language and he wears a shetty, uh, shetty. He wears <laughs> a shiny metal bracelet to use as a mirror to see behind him. The blind dude, the blind um, traveling salesman, his hearing is so acute, he can hit a falling leaf with a dart. Okay, so everybody turns into a badass, right? And the dude with the crushed skull just fucks around because he's still really childlike. So there's tons of fighting, tons of fighting. It gets to the very end. And Chu, everybody has to use their special abilities, right? So Chu's son with the iron arms used to previously fuck everybody up because if you a dude with iron arms hits you, that's going to break your bones, right? Right. But he, cue the dude with the iron legs who comes in like, no, bitch. So they're like, all right, well, let's see who has the best kung fu. Iron legs wins. Good guy wins. And in the end, only the guy with the crushed skull is killed. The blind guy was about to be killed and he sacrificed himself to save the blind guy. Ah. I know. And like I said, a rare martial arts is where everybody lives. You know, all the good guys live. Very rare. Usually the bad guys are near death or dying when it ends. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Hmm. So what what are the, the so the characters that the popular movies share? So the hybrid Venom, his name is his real name is Chang Shang. And he played the guy with the crushed skull. So the guy that played hybrid venom in the movie, the first five Delhi Venoms, played the crushed skull guy in the Crippled Avengers movie. Lu Fang, the dude that played Centipede, he's, he plays Centipede and he plays the guy with the iron arms. Okay, the actor that played Toad, his real name is Meng Lo, he also played the deaf mute uh, blacksmith guy. 
And the Crippled Avengers is one of the few movies in which uh, the Meng Lo played a character that didn't die in the end. This guy was famous for dying. And I think that there's an actor named Sean Bean who is also known for dying in his movies. I like, like how you could be famous for dying in your movies. Yeah. Well, like you're in this movie, you're always in this great movie, and you're, you're the guy that dies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this, the lizard in the Five Deadly Venoms was played by this guy named Philip. It's K-W-O-K. I don't know how to say that. But he also played the blind hawker. And the scorpion, Chen Xian, was the guy with the iron legs. So the guy that played scorpion played the guy with the iron legs. So here's the cool part. Pei Wei, he played the snake in Five Deadly Venoms, but he didn't have a role in the Avengers movie. And his role for the snake, it was actually intended for a woman in the Five Deadly Venoms movie. Huh. And in t- yeah. And in 2008, the Power Rangers, that's why I was like, Power Rangers, created a jungle fury group. They paid homage to the Five Deadly Venoms with their five poison fingers, is what the um, Power Rangers called it. And the poison fingers were centipede, snake, scorpion, lizard, and toad, just like the movie. And the Power Rangers did have the character of a snake played by a female, though. Oh. Just like they originally intended. Uh-huh. So Ranker had Five Deadly Venoms listed as the third best martial arts movie of all time, right after Enter the Dragon and Return of the Dragon, which both have Bruce Lee. Did I'm like, you- I get it. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. The first man I ever had a crush on was Bruce Lee. And I, my dad was always like the practical dad. I was like, Dad, I love Bruce, Bruce Lee. And he just looked at me. He's like, he's dead. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so Entertainment Weekly has the Five Deadly Venoms ranked as 11th, the 11th best cult film ever. And Crippled Avengers is number 12 on Ranker's list. So there's a lot of rap songs that take sound bites out of the five deadly venoms and a lot of martial arts movies. As a matter of fact, you know the um you know how Layla loves the Wu Tang clan? Yep. Wu Tang clan Wu Tang is actually uh another Chinese martial arts style and they used to make what's called Wu Tang movies. And that's where the band got their their name from, were the martial arts movies. Oh. Yes. That's where it came from. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> so, Tupac Shakur released an album in 1993 with a track that was called Five Deadly Venoms. And Wu-Tang Clan released a song called The Mystery of Chess Boxing, which is a, um, a martial arts movie. And the portion of The Mystery of Chess Boxing, a portion of that song's intro, is the voice of the Poison Master talking to the hybrid Venom discussing Toad's abilities. So you can hear him talking and it's him discussing what the toad can do. Mm-hmm. And ODB, old dirty bastard from Wu-Tang Clan, has a song called Return of the 36 Chambers. And that's also a Shaw Brother movie. I was like, uh-huh. And the intro of the song is the Poison Master telling the hybrid Venom about the snake style of fighting. So when the song starts, you hear the Poison Master talking about the snake style. Huh. Yeah, there are so many other rap songs I could have talked about that include martial arts uh, voice clips. Because they're badass movies, okay? Yeah, I never realized that. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'm delighted, and your brother lets me. There you go. (laughs) Yes. Tell me about somebody's Michael Smith murder. All right, Michael Smith, Berkeley, Michigan. This happened on December 19, 2002. Okay. Oakland County police were called to an area on 
Oak Hill Road. It's just north of the city of Berkeley. Okay. A resident of the area was actually out collecting bottles in the ditch, running down the road, and he stumbled upon a dead body. Okay. Did I ever tell you I knew a dude when I was in high school that was such a penny pincher. If he was driving and he saw bottles on the side of the road, he would stop the car, get out and pick it up. Really? Yeah. I wonder if he's That's rich. Why you're like, look, if, I know you're like looking for bottles on the side of the road. I've heard of that. Right. <laughs> yes. To identify the body, the police put a description of the male on the news. The wife, Rebecca Smith, called the police and identified him by one of his tattoos. Oh, shit. Michael was age 30, married with one child previous to his marriage, and two children with Rebecca. Okay. He was previously in the Navy. Mm -hmm. From what I gathered, he had a drinking addiction. Okay. That's what I gathered. Okay. His wife stated to the police that Michael was going to Florida to enter a rehabilitation center by his family. All right. She had dropped him off at the bus station about a week before his body was found. Oof. And Oof. she had, hadn't heard from him. She called his family. They hadn't heard from him. Okay. And he had a track record of disappearing for periods of time. So she didn't think anything of it, you know, that nobody had seen him. So at this point, all the police know is he was murdered between December 9th and December 19th. He was supposed to be traveling to Florida and no one had heard from him. That's all I knew. Okay. On January 2nd, 2003, a co-worker of Michael's called the police and stated there was a chance Michael was having an affair with a man. He was previously seen drunk at a gay bar after investigation, you know, the police investigated it. It was found to be false and he was just, he was just drinking there. You know? Oh, okay. Hey, open bar, open bar, drinks or drinks. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. After the examination of the body and the review of the weather conditions, because this December in 2002 was warmer than normal, it was determined that he was actually killed and then his body was frozen prior to dumping it in the ditch. Oh, okay. Rebecca told police... um, Rebecca told police that she had worked with a guy named Randy and he seemed to be romantically interested in her is what she claimed. Okay. okay. He did hunt and okay. yep, owned the right caliber gun that had killed Michael. Okay. Randy was there at this point, their lead suspect until he passed the polygraph. And the reason why it's in, why she points out that he hunts is because obviously his body was frozen. Yeah. Who has big freezers, but people that hunt, right? You know, you, you put a whole deer carcass away. It, you need some space. Yep. <laughs> yes. So now Rebecca travels, you know, the investigation's ongoing. Rebecca travels to Florida because this is where Michael's memorial is going to be, where his family's located. 
Okay. This is when the family of Michael notices things she was saying didn't match what she told police. Oh, shit. Yep. So enter Michael's cousin, who becomes an informant for the police. Oh, nice. A few weeks later, she, uh, Rebecca comes back and the police talk to her. This is where her story changes multiple times. Again, example, Uh-oh. like now she claims Michael came back. So she dropped him off at the bus station. Then Michael came back. And she takes him actually to the bus station the following morning. Okay. So she's like, well, wait, wait, wait. I didn't take him on Monday. So I took him on Monday, right? Yeah. He came back. So I took him again on Tuesday. Yeah. And one of the reasons why she switched her story was because the point a police pointed out that to get to the bus station, you had to pass the grandparents' house where the kids were supposedly at. Why wouldn't, if Michael was leaving, why wouldn't you stop? Why wouldn't he stop and say goodbye to his kids? Oh, great point. And so then this is where that story, you know, where she now takes that new turn. She's trying to explain it now with the new story. Okay, I get it. Yep. Okay. So Rebecca takes a polygraph and surprise, surprise, she fails. Fail. Yep. So Rebecca (laughs) was arrested for her husband's murder And while in jail, this is so good, and I Googled it, I searched it, I wanted to find this so bad, but I (laughs) could not find it. Um, Still on my list, I still randomly searched for it, is that she was, while in jail, waiting for her trial, she writes a letter to her friend, and she asks her friend to write a letter from a gay lover confessing to the murder. It was what? very detailed letter stating exactly how it happened, which matched the murder of Michael. Are you kidding yeah, me? It only had things that the killer would have known. No. She just outed herself. She still says she's not guilty. On November 20, oh. 2007, she was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 30 to 60 years in prison. Yeah, probably because she's guilty as hell. Oh, my God, I wanted to get a copy of that letter. Like, how oh in the God. hell? And what are you thinking? Like, mm, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't even. at that. I got to that point, you know, looking up this story, and I had to stop for a minute. Like, I, I don't even know, like. I ha- I have it's no words. Much. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, you were intelligent enough to somehow kill this man and hide, hide freeze him and yeah. dump him. You did this all on your own. You had no help. And you literally like are I, I feel like you have to you have some what? level of intelligence to, you know, figure out what in the hell are you gonna do. And then she you write a letter. Landing, dude. Yeah. No, she failed to stick the landing. <laughs> like a, she did the cartwheel. She did the flip. She did the little twist. And she didn't stick the landing. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. I tell you. She didn't get her story straight. And she had so much time. Right? Oh, yeah. goodness. Yep. It was. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. She's keeping it interesting. Let me tell you. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, well, I'll talk to you later, Jen. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.
contact us at anchor or Michigan and other mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.